0: So we've just <laughs> commemorated an abbreviated service of Tenebrae, which is a Latin word meaning darkness. So the candles we extinguished represent the shadows that encroach upon the life of our Lord during his last two days on earth. And so every Monday, Thursday, we try to live into the darkness of Jesus' suffering, this Stygian darkness so thick and heavy, you can almost feel it like when they turn the lights off at Mammoth Cave. I love the way James Weldon Johnson describes the darkness of the universe before God created the first light. He says, Darkness covered everything blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. It doesn't take much effort to share Jesus' shadows in the middle of our own tenebrous times, I wish you could be here in this sanctuary this evening with Joe and Joel and Susan and me. It is very dark. It is very quiet. It is as if it is standing in for what many of us are feeling just now in the passion story of the Gospels and in many of our own lives. Perhaps it's scant comfort, but we should remember this Holy Week that whatever terrible traumas and besetting anxieties we're experiencing Right now, the Son of God has been there before us and with much worse. The letter to the Hebrews says, We have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. But what's so disheartening about the passion story is how many of the shades engulfing Jesus are cast there by his best friends. Now we can understand the kangaroo court of Pilate and Herod's contempt and Caiaphas' hostility and the Roman soldier's cruel malice and the thief's bitter mockery, but even those who love him best are just gone in the end. His three-breast friends fall asleep during his hour of greatest despair. Judas betrays him for 30 pieces of silver worth about $6,000 or about the price of a 10-year-old jeep. Peter denies him three times and then goes off to weep bitterly when the cock crows. And then all of them flee in terror at the end, leaving him to die alone, except for a clutch of brave women who watch the whole thing from a distance. Among the defects of Jesus is the company he keeps, right? To put it a different way, Jesus is a terrible judge of character. Someone once conjured up what it would have looked like if Jesus were hiring new staff for a startup and presenting his candidates to his investors. After meeting the disciples, the investors called Jesus into the office. Jesus, they say, most of your candidates lack the background, education, and aptitude for the enterprise you're trying to accomplish. Simon Peter is unstable and has a short temper, the two brothers, James and John, put personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas is a negative person whose skeptical attitude will undermine morale. We did a background check on Matthew and discovered that his neighbors can't stand the sight of him because he's a quizzling to Rome. Only one of your candidates shows great potential. He's smart, able, resourceful, and ambitious, we recommend that you make Judas Iscariot your CFO. Now, over the course of this sermon series, we've been reminding you that the idea of Jesus' defects comes from Cardinal Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Tuan who spent 13 years in a Vietnamese concentration camp. And those years, of course, were terrible for him, but he and his fellow Catholic prisoners did their best to honor the rituals of their precious Catholic faith. They fashioned a crucifix out of a splinter of wood and some wire. Someone snuck a Bible into the prison, but because it was contraband, they ripped it apart and distributed the pages among the various Catholic prisoners who were there, And when the guards were close, they buried those pages in the sand floor. And when the guards were distant, they committed those pages to memory. And so every night, each Catholic prisoner would recite aloud his particular pages. And so that after the course of time, they made their way through a goodly portion of the entire Bible. Pleading a stomach ailment, the archbishop got his guards to sneak in a single bottle of wine, for, he said, medicinal purposes. And every afternoon at three o'clock, the hour that Jesus died, the cardinal, then archbishop, celebrated his own private Eucharist with three drops of medicinal wine. How many drops of wine are there in a bottle? Are there 14,220 drops in a bottle? Enough for 4,740 days? Enough for 13 years? I don't know. But the Archbishop said those were the most beautiful masses of my life. And so if our celebration of the Eucharist may feel a little pale and hollow this evening because we can't be together, just remember the Archbishop and his three drops of medicinal wine. This could be the most meaningful eucharist of your life and oh by the way back to those failures jesus called his friends it turns out that jesus actually wasn't such a bad care, a judge of character after all those 11 guys who fled in terror at the end and left him to die alone they came back with a vengeance 50 days later The Holy Spirit set their courage on fire and they spread out across the Roman Empire, eventually bringing the good news of our glad God to every far and obscure corner of the known world, Spain to India, two billion Christians today. In our Bible study this morning on Jesus last week, we sort of decided by consensus that the rather negative portraits the evangelists make of the disciples didn't depress us or disappoint us. They made us hopeful. They energized us because it means if God can use the likes of them, God can use the likes of you and me as well. Martin Luther said it, God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse. If God can use the rotten wood and lame horses of mediocre, average, ordinary, very human blokes like them, well, maybe God can use you and me as well. God can use anyone to accomplish God's purposes, even Peter, James, John, Matthew, and Thomas, even you and me. The cardinal said, why does Jesus have these defects? Because Jesus is love. From the home of the great Trinity, he brought us infinite love, a love that reaches to the point of folly. And I hope that at the end of my life, the Lord will receive me as he received Matthew, the tax collector. I will sing of his mercy for all eternity. I will be happy to see Jesus with all of his defects, which are, Thanks be to God, incorrigible.